What is up, homies? Welcome back to another episode of the Checkskins Podcast. We got a very special episode lined up for you, but before we get into the episode, I want to let you know you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Heroes Reforge. We have these episodes posted on there. Also, because of the SAG-AFTRA WGA strike, we are pivoting our content. We are reacting to Studio Ghibli films. The first one up is My Neighbor Totoro, which none of us have seen, so if you want to see that uncut reaction, check it out on our Patreon. We also have a YouTube cutdown and uh, join the Discord. There are so many amazing people in our Discord. All the links for everything that we do is down in the description below. So check that out, plenty of resources there. Uh, I'm very excited for this episode. This is the first time I think on the Checkskins podcast that we have a guest mm-hmm. live in studio, kind of? Our yeah, first yeah. official <laughs> guest. We have Except an amazing, an amazing, amazing guest today. <laughs> there we go. Um, an actor and a writer and a producer Someone who uh, I think the three of us respect and admire immensely and we're friends with and we love talking about the stuff that we love talking about as well as the industry with this person. The one and only Danny Fernandez is joining us today. Danny, thank you again for taking some time. We know how busy you are, so we really, really appreciate it. And before we get into it, I do want to highlight a wonderful podcast interview. I've, I've read article interviews that you've been doing about the strike, but a wonderful podcast with First Cut with our friend Andres, squad leader Ace. So w- I want to put the link to that as well and send people to that fantastic 48-minute conversation that you guys had, all things strike, everything there, some great questions answered. I'm, I'm basically setting that up to be like, we're not as qualified. We're just going to, we're, we're, we're dumb. We're, we're going to ask some, some, maybe some uh, more entry level questions. And yeah, we may have some questions from our community, from folks who may not be as familiar with this entire thing that's happening. So again, we really appreciate your time. Adam, should we get into some questions? Yeah, sure. And I think this is a really important question to kind of start off of. It's from Felicia B, who is one of our mods on Discord as well, who says, Hola, homies, and a warm welcome to Danny. I'd love to hear Danny's thoughts on the misconceptions of the strikes and the effects it's having on the Latinx minority community within the industry. Also, do they have any animated or video game recommendations for the homies? Yeah, I guess a misconception is that we're rich. That has been the first one. <laughs> I feel like y'all, you know, working in this industry, you just know you have to have so many so many jobs. And so I think, you know, we SAG actually was really when SAG joined the strike, it got even worse because you're used to seeing like Meryl Streep, Tom Holland, uh George Clooney, Mark Ruffalo, Brad Pitt, you know, they're all in the 1%. You know, 87% of our membership doesn't even make enough to qualify for healthcare. And you have to make about 26 grand to qualify for SAG healthcare. So yeah, that was that was definitely um something that we're still combating as uh, one of the biggest misconceptions. Um and also I don't want it, you know, I said this in the other podcast, but I don't think that only rich people should get to pursue the arts. That's like a really weird. Yes. It's already incredibly so skewed. Weird. Yeah. And so people were kind of yelling at me, like, don't don't sign up to be a writer and then complain about how much you get paid. And I'm like, well, we ha- actually have a union so that we can change this. You know? Yeah. And I think it's also weird because I. For whatever reason, it's like every industry is kind of like that, like a lot of industries you get into, no matter how wealthy people at the top are, there's a lot of people that when you start out, you're starting at the bottom. Are you going to say the same thing to those people? N- no, it's just this weird thing. And I noticed this online, even on Twitter and in YouTube comments. It's this weird thing that people have against the arts that they think that everything should be done for like <laughs> low fee, no cost. Mm-hmm. They should get everything for free. And I don't understand why it's one of the only things out there that that sort of like thing is associated with. I'm not sure what it is. It's weird. I also think, you know, uh, people have tried to turn us against other unions. So when SAG, uh, when WGA, actually, when WGA first went on strike, which was May 2nd, I believe we've been on strike since the beginning of May. And folks were like, well, it's the teachers that should be striking, not you guys. And one, the teachers were like, don't bring us into this. Um, We are striking. (laughs) We are striking. Like Oakland teachers were on strike. But two, who taught us? Who taught us how to be writers? 
Who taught us how to act? The theater teacher, the lit teacher. I loved my lit and English teachers. I was obsessed with them. I was obsessed with reading. And, and I remember my lit teacher, actually, even my professor at UT kept one of my essays and I was so proud of it. It was like what to do and I, like how to have a good essay. She kept it. And so that just was further fuel that I should grow up to be a writer. So I think it's like spitting in their faces of all we're fighting for future generations. I want to say the protections that we get that we're fighting for right now to make our industry more sustainable, these future kids that are watching us, that that are dreaming of being directors, that are dreaming of being artists and writers and creators, you know, we keep telling them like, grab your iPhone, shoot your own stuff, come join us. And then y'all are like telling them they're not worth it, telling them they're going to be <laughs> replaced by AI, telling them not even to bother. And it makes me sick. It, you know? it, it, so, it, it reminds me, I agree. Danny, that reminds me of something that we have talked about. I think last week we were, t we were just chatting for this show and we all come from the visual effects industry, right? We worked in VFX for years and Augustine brought up this thing of like, he wants now, Augustine, I don't mean to take words out of your mouth. So jump in if I say anything wrong, but you were, you were talking gotcha. about the notion of like, you want this strike to succeed for these workers for mm -hmm. future young Augustines to enter industries like the visual effects industry or the animation industry and not be as discouraged as the three of us were when we were mm -hmm. in visual effects. I know it's a separate thing, but you know, there's been a push to unionize VFX workers for years and animation animators and everything. So that, that mm -hmm. thing you're describing, Danny, we're like, it's for the next generation to not be discouraged when they get to this industry. We have a little bit of an experience, but from a different angle, but same sort of thing of like, Dude, we were young and and so excited to go work on movies and we yeah. got there and the realization set yeah. in of like, oh, this job can suck. It's so bad. <laughs> it, it doesn't just suck, dude. It was bad. It was bad treatment yeah. that we had in the VFX industry. I yeah. think I think the thing that hurts me the most about not pursuing VFX anymore um is the fact that my parents were so hardcore behind me when I was going to school. Like they were, they were just full on echale ganas, like everything, like the whole world was mine. Right. And they sacrificed their whole lives as immigrants to come to the U S so that I could do something. And I decided to do VFX and I was like, I, well, I, I wanted to be an animator. Unfortunately, I graduated in 2008 where the whole industry just kind of like cracked in half. Um, and so I know that while I was working in VFX, they were so proud to tell people they didn't know that I was doing VFX. They thought I was animating because it's hard for me to explain to them exactly what I was doing. And so they would tell people, yeah, my son's working on movies. He's animating for Marvel and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, whatever makes you happy, guys. Like, just tell people whatever, whatever makes you happy. And now I just have a regular nine to five, you know, and I, they can't go out and like tell their friends that their son is like doing all this stuff. And um, it sucks. It, it, it kind of hurts every time that I think about it. And it's all due to the fact that there was no regulations and no union for the VFX artists at all, where mm. they told us they were going to pay us dirt for. So I, 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 we talked about this on the last episode. I came in at like maybe $16 an hour and they said, oh, well, you're going to be working so much overtime that that's going to make up for the low pay. And I was like, well, that's not a good trade off. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't understand how that's supposed to make me feel better about yeah. any of this. And no it life. never got any better from that point, right? And so yeah. I want this strike, what you guys are doing, Danny, and what everybody is, is, is fighting for to help the little Hector and Augustine and Adam and Danny that like they're, they're coming in and they're watching us. Like they need, mm -hmm. a, they need a, a, a person who's going to set the example and it's our time to shine. Like let's do it. Even though I'm not a VFX artist anymore. Like Danny, you're, you're representing us all right now. So that's why we <laughs> wanted to have you on the show because you, I feel like you're such a great figurehead for women and people of color, uh, because you're so strong and you're so clear with your communication that that's why I wanted you to be the first person on the show for us to interview, because you are to me, like a, a person, a champion basically for lots of different underrepresented groups. Yeah. I think out of necessity, right. Like I think of how strong I am and it's like, and how loud I am. And I'm just like, damn, it's like out of, out of necessity. 
I just don't want people to lose hope. I mean, we've already lost so many voices, including during the pandemic, to be honest. There were so many people that just didn't, they you know, had to move back home, had to leave the industry. I'm hopeful. I think that's my key job is to continue. I love teaching folks how to break in. I love teaching folks how to write um, and just see, you know, I just actually made my own short film Like I actually did that. So I was like, I wrote it, starred in it. And so I'm so adamant. Thank you. I'm just so adamant. And it's gotten to all these film fests. Um, It's a true, true indie. I mean, we, we like came up with the money ourselves. Robert Butler, the third directed it. So our friend, um, RB3. Yeah. So I'm just so, but that came out of necessity, right? Even that came out of necessity. Of like, well, it's, um, you know, they keep picking my more famous equivalent to be in these things. Every time I audition, they go with my more, (laughs) the more famous version of me until I become that person. Everyone has Mm -hmm. dealt with that. And so I was like, I'm just going to cast myself. And I literally did that. I I was just going to say, even when you are in the industry, you still have to, you find yourself not being able to, to take advantage of those opportunities because those opportunities aren't there. So you have to make the opportunity yourself, even when you're in the industry. Well, no, I just even think of Issa Issa Rae has become such a powerhouse and she has launched the careers of other people. But when she was selling Insecure, they wanted to replace her with a more famous actress. She actually spoke (laughs) about this. Oh, yeah. And if they and if they had, she would not have gotten the opportunity to have another powerhouse, you know, to have another person that can launch so many. And, you know, she's executive produced other shows. She's she's brought in other talent. She has her own production company now. So it's just like allowing us instead of I'm just I'm just all about representation. Like going, I talk about this, like going horizontally, not vertically. It shouldn't just go up. It shouldn't be the same five people that are multimillionaires. This goes back to, I guess, the myth that you see the same five people (laughs) that are multimillionaires. Um, And instead, I, I want to spread that out. I want to have more yeah. represent more representation means more people and more of us. Um and and not all kind of the same like more colors of us, more sexual orientations of us, more just more of our community in general. So that one show doesn't have to represent all of us because that is a curse. <laughs> Please never put that on me. I just yeah. can't do that. I cannot represent our whole community. And I, I don't think that when I look at Barry or Succession or even the Bear or other white led um, that have like a, a main white male character, uh, Ted Lasso, I don't know if anyone's expecting him to represent <laughs> all of Kansas or <laughs> expecting him to represent all Nobody white is. people. Nobody is. Jason no. Sudeikis doesn't even represent all white people. So anyways, <laughs> I just feel I just feel like, you know, even when I watch Succession, they're allowed to be evil and awful and funny. And and I just would like yeah. that for us as well. So, yeah. Agreed. It's funny you bring up the yeah. whole, like, having everything represented horizontally, because I look at companies, certain companies, and a certain conglomerate that owns multiple things, and you see that they are constantly recycling the same pool of actors in all of their franchises, whether it's a Disney thing or a Star Wars thing or whatever. It's like all these franchises and all these like IPs are using the same actors across the board. And I'm like, we need someone new in here. Like, I love some of these people, but you need to bring in someone fresh, someone new, someone who I haven't yeah. seen, someone from another part of the world that represents something new and unique and has a new perspective because again, love some of those actors and it's nothing against them. It's just, you know, you know what the companies are doing to try to, you know, I don't know, try to save a buck or two as, as it were, you know, so it's, it's it's so frustrating sometimes. I would say to answer that, it's that we, when we're pitching and selling shows, um, they want someone that's bankable. Yep. They don't necessarily want to take risks and they want to. So to them, especially in our pool with our community, it's like, oh, these three people, are A-list stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These three people are bankable and that's it. That's all they're willing to. And so for me, I actually started to say, I want to find, and I'm really excited. Some of the stuff that is currently on pause, but is in development um, is I want to find undiscovered talent mm. because a lot mm. of us aren't new. I'm about to hit my decade that I've been in LA. And um, you know, even if I look at Pedro Pascal, he was not new, but he 
we, I mean, they have like uh, his like MTV stuff from his twenties that people are discovering, which is so funny to show how long he's been around. But a lot of us are undiscovered. It's like, we've been hustling. We've been doing the side jobs. We've been doing the indie films. We've been doing the, the side character gigs and we're ready for our, our moment in the spotlight. But you kind of need someone like what happened with Stephanie Shu. You kind of need someone who sees that talent in you and sees, I know you're going to be a star and I'm going to put you in this to allow you to be in the spotlight and shine. And um, that that's also yeah. a great example of maybe I'm mistaken too, but for everything ever all at once, wasn't it a scheduling thing too that Aquafina was originally going to be in that role, but it was like a scheduling conflict because she's so in demand. She's one of like the four Asian people that Hollywood mm-hmm. keeps casting and everything that it's like that caused that production to be like, oh, okay, we need to find someone else. And then you get Stephanie Sue then mm-hmm. becomes Oscar nominated in that role. Like that's, that's what we're talking about. Or Kihi Kwan, not new. We know where no. he started. Yeah, right, right. You know, and it, he was someone who was not given opportunities. And you look back and you go, dang, dude, Hollywood messed up by not casting this guy throughout his teenage years, 20s, 30s, 40s. Like, he's incredible. Uh, part, another part of the question was, uh, you know, how has this sort of like affected the Latinx or minority community within the industry? What have you like seen specifically without mm-hmm. obviously mentioning names or, or specific situations? I will mention names. I will no, <laughs> do it. Um, you know, you, 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 <laughs> you see what I see. You see that most of our shows don't survive. You see that we barely have any shows to begin with. Um, we also yeah. don't get so, but how is a strike affecting us? Okay. Well, we're already coming in at a deficit, right? So we're already paid less. This is not um, an opinion of mine. This is a fact. The UCLA diversity report uh, is out every year. I encourage you to look at it because it is um, a difficult look, but every year they come out um, specifically with uh, minorities in this business. And you can see that we make up, I don't know, like 1% of leads, uh, probably less than 2% of screenwriters. And so it's troubling. We're already not prevalent. (laughs) We already have multiple jobs to survive out here. So, um, with us, I mean, that's one thing I will say, we're used to crisis. We were used to having multiple jobs. We're very hardworking people. So I feel like you're not going to scare us away. Uh, You're not Mm -hmm. going to break us. Growing up in America has already prepared us for everything we could ever need to be prepared for. So I don't think any studio is going to scare me away from not being in this business or pursuing my dream. But yeah, that's that's what I would say is we already were hurting before the, the strike. I think also, I think you've mentioned this before, Danny, but I feel like every day I wake up, I become more and more anti-AI in every facet of its usage. Like every right. day we learn more and more stuff. And even today there was like uh, some studios are using lobbyists to try and put, you know, just like the most horrible stuff in Washington. I think you mentioned how like if AI is implemented, presumably the way the studios are maybe going to want to implement it, unless those protections are set up and unless the WGA and sag after are able to get that off of the table, as it were, that all of the AI technology that's going to be used to source other people's existing art to then generate its own art, what art are they going to use? Are they going to use a bunch of Latin written scripts? Are they going to use white people scripts about white people stories about, I think you've talked about that before. It's like, we're already at a deficit. We are not even in the pool of, Oh yeah. You know, well, I actually talked about that. Yeah. Speaking of Bob Iger, he actually did uh, years ago on when he was exiting Disney, he had done this um, long uh, interview where he actually encouraged the folks at Disney to not rely too much on data because he said if he had, he would not have made Coco, Black Panther or Shang-Chi. And there, there oh. is something to that. And like we if you're using past algorithms to show what works we haven't been there. We haven't been allowed to be the leads of most films and shows. So you have nothing to work. You don't know how an Asian American led solo Marvel movie is going to do because there had never been one before. So we know that we now know how it will do. It will make a billion dollars. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? The So that's why it's dangerous. And speaking of AI, I'm assuming that your entire audience probably knows this because they're very intelligent, but it is based off of stolen work. AI isn't yep. ethereal. It's not just, it has to have something to work off of. And so if you're trying to make 
Um, I don't know, a good example would be NCIS because there's so many episodes of it. All you have to do is take past episodes, put it into AI and come up with this script. And now, but who wrote that? Who wrote those original episodes? What about the right. creators? You know, and so we're seeing that with, with um, I saw that with uh, Wes Anderson when they were trying to recreate, you know, everyone was doing like AI versions, which they thought were cute. And I remember I read an interview where he wasn't too happy about it, but I wouldn't be either. I'm like, you're taking my aesthetic and you're putting it into a machine and then calling it yours. And mm -hmm. that that's, you know, so, so we're definitely, I also don't, I want to say we're fighting for executives as well. Mm -hmm. I don't want right. to pitch. I don't want um, yeah. in, something that's inhuman to be deciding yeah. <laughs> my human story. Right. I don't want ever to sign off on whether they think I'm bankable or whether they think my, and that's the thing with ca casting is being affected by AI. That's actually something I haven't talked about on any of these podcasts yet, but they want to replace casting with AI. Casting, our teamsters, <sighs> and a lot of folks have been out on the picket lines with us. I want to say they have been out there. And so can you imagine an, an AI going through your audition and Ooh. doesn't have the same eye of casting that was able to see, oh, I can tell this person's going to be a star. I can tell Stephanie Shu yeah. has a potential to be a lead actress. Do you think a robot is going to be able to figure that out? Or is it going to go for the usual suspects? That's another scary thing. We've already seen that AI is very um, discriminatory. A lot of uh, technology is discriminatory. <laughs> so is it that this person needs to be lighter skinned? This person needs to sound more American? This person, like, mm -hmm. what are we talking about? That I mean, I think, that, I think that can sadly go as far as AI generating things like screen tests on behalf of actors based on their previous performances and assuming that they That's know wild. exactly how that actor perform, would perform in that performance. And then yeah. a director, you know, potentially going, Nah, I don't think it fits. Let's not even bother reaching out to them. I mean, I saw I saw a video, I think less than a week ago of this talk show setting. And there was a person on there who was basically saying, like, you love Lord of the Rings. Imagine you could go in an AI and you could create a whole brand. If the season's over, let's make more episodes and you can use AI to generate more episodes. And like, that just sounds like an absolute clusterfuck of a nightmare. It is. It is. Outside of the creative Doesn't aspect. Doesn't come of it, out like, well either. Yeah, you're completely like tearing apart the creativity and you're completely tearing the artists away from the art. Who would want to watch that? It would look horrible. It would sound horrible. It would have it would be it would just be the worst thing possible. And to see people who are saying, well, that would be really interesting to see how that would turn out. I don't understand like why anybody would want that. It would just it would just destroy everything that makes art created by people so special. Yeah, it, I, you want to know something, too? Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say humans are so unexpected. It was something I loved about Beef that I was just like, this show is so wild. I, part of me was like, would AI come up? Like humans are just our brains allowing us to create in such an insane like space and sphere and yeah. do the unexpected. I think actually a robot would do the expected, right? It's working off past data. So like, what about all this room to play for everything everywhere all at once all the different multiverses that she the 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 wiener fingers like what you know <laughs> like just playing playing in those worlds yeah. um, i can't imagine I think, AI. so one of my one of my movies that i that i didn't understand at first and it took me a while to get why it was so funny but it was napoleon dynamite and the first time i saw it i hated it i did not like the movie because i didn't know what they were going for but i can't imagine an ai creating a vibe like no, like the whole movie is just one whole big vibe that just kind of plays off itself, yeah. and I cannot imagine anything machine made touching that kind of like really cool, unique vibe, storytelling, character design, just like everything about that movie. Even though it's not like super critically acclaimed, mm -hmm. to me the vibe is so unique that I love that movie so much. Yeah, you're not getting condiments opening unique. credits, that's for sure. Right. Right, exactly. Like all of that, yeah. like Tina, you, Tina getting fed, like with the little bracelets, just everything, all the little touches that make that movie so human, they're not going to be, be able to be recreated I by know. anybody. I'm sorry, by any they're machine. All, they're all, they're all, they're all so specific. And I think Adam, yeah. what, the, what yeah. you were, what you were talking about that talk show moment feels like it's related to how we act as fans of stuff, because I think I understand the fan love of like, oh my God, Godfather one, two, and three. Those I love those movies. I would love to see Godfather Part Four. I would love to, you know, I would love to see the the um 
the Andy Garcia character continue on from part three or whatever. Like I understand that fan mentality because I am in love with the certain things I'm in love with and I can become obsessed with that stuff. But I think that as fans, if, if you get to a point where you're that creatively juiced about something like that, then you will go from fan to creative. Then you should be inspired to be True. a writer like Danny. You yeah. will be, you know, the things that Danny grew up on, she carries her, she carries them with her every single day in every piece of her work. And there's a difference between, oh, I really want to get in the industry because I want to work on this one specific thing. This is my dream, which is totally cool. It's it's great. Listen, nothing makes me happier than when like somebody gets cast as a producer, writer, director, or actor in like Star Trek. And they go like, no, you don't understand. This is my childhood. <laughs> like, that's the best. But that's different than, well, I just want to see it done. And I want to sever it from the creative, you know, uh, the creative drive that originated the, uh, the first thing that I fell in love with to begin with. So as fans, we have to like recognize that if we're inspired by something enough to go and create something new or even a sequel, mm -hmm. like that's our dream again, to create a sequel to the thing, that's fine. but understand like what's at stake and what the creative you know people that made it are actually contributing to the thing i think is important just at just at like a fan level so absolutely uh, <laughs> I, w I would love to know Damn. danny from okay. you what what has it been like from comparing day one to now what have you seen that's been yeah. like the biggest difference between the beginning yeah. of the strike and now yeah so i remember when we came out on the first day i mean we were fired up. It was like everybody's post. I remember, I think I took a, a video that when I scrolled through my Instagram, it was like WGA on strike, WGA on strike. Like we all shared the, the little WGA's Insta post. Um, and I remember we were out there and we were talking and fired up. And, um, I remember these older writers, um, from like the, they were like from the 90s sitcom era, I think. And they were like, yeah, just, just wait till like middle of summer. <laughs> I remember them saying that. And, um, yeah. now we're in the middle yeah. of summer. And mm -hmm. so yeah. I think, you know, today we had a massive rally, which was so great. Anytime that we are all out, like in this camaraderie, it reminds us that we're not alone because it's a very isolating, hard thing. We're not working. Um, and sometimes some of these lots, some of these pickets can be a little um, lean because folks are taking time off as they as they should because the heat is wild right now. And yeah, we're just real quick, just logistically, yeah. you guys are only out there till 2 p.m. Is that right? Like there's like set hours and, you yeah, know, there, there, there's we not do people out three, there eight hours a day, right? Okay. We used to do four hours. I think we were used okay. to be four hours and we have a lot of overlap now. We used to not, but I think we're done. Yeah, I think we're done at like one or two. I I always do them like nine. So today I was nine to noon. It is, yeah, it's incredibly hot. I remember this actress, she had to get an IV and she was saying um, that her doctor told her, you know, you're only taking in water, but you're sweating out salt and electrolytes. You need to make sure. So she made like a PSA that was like, hey, everyone <laughs> take in Ooh. electrolytes. In the valley, it's like 100 degrees. So well, morale has been up yeah. and down. I'll just say very bluntly, when SAG joined us, oh my gosh. It was just like, yeah, it was so packed. It was the hottest ticket in town. It, I feel like, um, uh, what's his name from SNL? Like the hottest ticket in town is the SAG WGA picket line. It's got everything. It's got iced coffee. It's got casting directors. Um, it's got Colin I, Farrell. I, I saw I saw a really dumb meme where it was that scene from Infinity War, but like all the people like Steve Rogers and Bruce Banner were like the WGA and like all these people picketing. And then when Thor arrives, it was like SAG after like Thor and Rocket, and he was like, "Bring me Bob Iger," like that. Like people just putting a little, you know. And yes, it's so stupid, I, but I was like, okay, that, that does feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. When, I mean, I had my little Dragon Ball Z one, right? I still have it. I was out there with it today. I was with my, my Goku and Vegeta fusion and it was That's SAG your, in the that WGA. Your sign? That's your picket sign? That is sign? my picket sign. I made that. I actually have, this is a little pro yeah. tip. I change out my picket signs based on our, our event. So we have like sometimes video game special pickets. We have, let me just tell you, because the days are long, 
it helps keep morale up. It gets people boosted <laughs> and you'll see people out there in like a Bowser or whatever. I had that, um, my Goku and Vegeta one that was SAG and WGA. But anyways, yeah, when SAG joined us, it was great. But then we kind of hit like a depression. You know, Rob Foreman, he's a, a lot co- coordinator at Universal, which means he is a, a WGA strike captain who helps control the lot there, which we need. They're, I don't know if you've noticed, it's in the news a lot. Um, the trees were cut. We've gotten hit by cars over there. It's been today. We had a big rally because they tore up our, um, sidewalks. And so we had to get 26,000 signatures to get them to give us our sidewalks back. It just makes it safe for people to walk there, but also to pick it. Um, so it's been in the news a lot. So he's one of the lot coordinators and he was like, do you have strike depression? And like everybody shared his thing. I think, you know, with me specifically, when I think of like, oh, the shows I was developing that are now on pause, if I'm being the most optimistic, it means that when I come back to them, they'll be in a better place because I will be more Mm -hmm. protected. I'll have better residuals. My staff, whoever I get to hire to write on the show with me, will be better paid, um, will be protected from AI. So I'm trying to think of the positives. But did I want to be filming it this summer? Yes. You know, I had sold a show right before the pandemic. My timing, we have shown, is not great. Um, So the, the other show that I sold to Max right before the pandemic didn't survive. And then we saw what happened over at that company, which... Yeah. was wild the last year or two, um, still wild changing it up. And so it's just been a crazy time. So I'm kind of having to surrender to the timing of my life. And what yeah. I can tell you, a great book about failure and like stuff like this is Bob Odenkirk's. I listened to Bob Odenkirk's autobiography, which he reads himself because I was like, oh, I want to hear it in his voice. I have never heard someone fail more than that man. I was wow. just, he was, he was like, you know, my successes, wow. I'm going to walk you through all of my failures. You know, he's been around for at least two decades, if not three decades, More? right? Yeah, Mr. Show and in the nineties. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. He went over every failure <laughs> and I was like, honestly, I would have left. I would have left. He had so many almost. He sold the show and then it didn't go. He was writing on this movie and it didn't go. He And that is our industry. You know, it's gotten even more yeah. vo- volatile than it was for him. But I listening to that, I was like, okay. To me, I'm just like, I feel like a pressure cooker. Same thing with um, Quinta Brunson. Quinta had yeah. sold a show to CBS. She shot with Jermaine Fowler. It didn't go. She uh, acted in a CW pilot. It didn't go. And then Abbott went. And so what I'm telling to all the creators out there is like, sometimes your timing, we don't understand it. But if those other shows had gone, they might not have hit the way Abbott did. It might not have had the right people behind it. It might not have had the marketing. It might not have just been the right time. Abbott hit at exactly the right moment with the right cast, with the right executives, with the right showrunners for for it to just blossom and to change people's lives. And so she was clearly meant to do that. And so for me, that's kind of what I'm taking from it is, okay, this other show didn't go, but I got in that time, I'm an even better writer, an even better actress and this other thing. And like, it's slowly creeping up until it pops. So I feel like, especially people of color, I feel like we're a pressure cooker of talent until you just, you know, that's why you see some of these names where it's like, whoa, why why did Stephanie Hsu on her first major role get an Oscar nomination? Because her (laughs) talent has been bubbling up. She's been around. Wow. I always, I always like to, speaking of Bob Odenkirk and Mr. Show, I always used to like, I always like to use the example of Tom Kenny the voice of SpongeBob mm-hmm. SquarePants, because in the 90s, it was between him and Rob Schneider for Saturday Night Live. And he missed out on Saturday Night Live. And he talked about, he's talked about how, how hard that hit him. But then a few years later, he auditioned for SpongeBob SquarePants. And then that's been his life. And life it's just incredible, you know. But, it's, but if he was on SNL, he probably not, would have not auditioned for, you see, you see what I'm saying? So it's, it's exactly what you're that thing you're bringing up. I have a, okay. First, Adam, do we have any other questions? Patreon, anybody else has got something? Go for it. Yeah. Uh, this one's from, this one's from Edward Smith who says as an Aussie follower, I'm curious about the U S perception of unions. I see comments quite against unions and I can't understand why since in Australia, they fight so hard for better conditions and pay for the employees. What do you say to someone who does not live in the United States and they're an outsider looking in going, I don't get why everyone's so mad about this. 
You want to know something insane is that we, we've been doing a lot of solidarity unions. So we were in solidarity with UPS, which almost went on strike. And luckily they got what they were asking for, which one of the things was AC in their trucks. Um, But even I shared- Bare minimum. Oh, 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 bare minimum. Bare minimum. Yeah. I'm- um, but anyways, we so we were in solidarity with them. We showed up in the hundreds to be at their rally. And then we also were with hotel workers. Hotel workers are on strike right now. And folks were throwing eggs at Jesus us. Jesus Christ. At the hotel workers and at us and, and, and picketing with them. Is that wild? I, I don't know if it's this hustle grind mentality. Because I'm also like, you know, we've had people in like beat up pickup trucks wanting to like try to hit us or yell at us and tell us to get back to work. I want to be like, yeah. they're not paying you good either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what the heck? I do. You have a um, beat up pickup truck. What do you... I, but I, I don't, I know, don't know. I don't know if it's this 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 grind mentality of... um, But it's like accepting crumbs. I actually yeah. don't think that you should. We should be working ourselves to death. I understand this whole like, oh, I don't accept handouts. I want to say we're not um, getting handouts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're we're working, but I think it's I, a, a, yeah. a, a. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I was just gonna say my theory of it is is I I think that there is a deep, deep seated, deep rooted, like belief in the United States, in the United States, which is this American exceptionalism, which is basically cowboy which is like what you're saying, like, we don't accept handouts. We make it on our own out in the frontier. And it's this myth. It's this thing that's not real. And I think that that myth, the Marlboro man, cowboy, this sort of like independent entrepreneur, lift yourself up from your bootstraps. There's a, there's a lot of it. Most of it is just rooted in racism. It's just rooted in like the lies that built the United States to keep brown people and black people down so that white people could like prosper. And that Part of that lie includes like, well, we're cowboys. We're tough. We don't need unions. We'll, and you go, wait a minute, who's, who made this commercial? A billionaire. That, you know what I mean? Like they, they're, it's all this propaganda BS that they're feeding us to make us think like we're all Luke Skywalker when really we're supposed to be the rebel alliance, not just Luke. You know? So I think that to, to, that's what I would say to Europeans, Australians, Asian people in Japan, China, whatever, that are seeing this and, and maybe going, you know. Those seem like basic air conditioning in a UPS truck, hotel workers, like, you know, throwing eggs at hotel workers. And I would go, yeah, there's a lot of racism and a lot of people who believe in that lie. And they go, well, I want to, I think one day I could become a billionaire because that's the, that's the lie in the United States. And so they're like, I don't want to, I don't want people to steal my money. I'll be, I'll work hard to be a billionaire. You're dumb. You already lost the game, dude. You lost it. It's over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And w- one thing that fires me up irrationally more than anything is that bootstrap bullshit. Like <laughs> pick yourself up by the bootstraps. It just it's it, it yeah. shows me that those are the kind of people that I don't bother arguing with and those are the type of people True. that I don't try to convince otherwise of of things that are saying. There's just these certain trigger words that I'm just like, "Okay, you clearly don't understand. Right. Either you don't have compassion for other people or you're just an asshole." who doesn't care or has never given compassion or love or, or friendship a second thought, right? Because I just, I don't understand how these people can function in a normal-ish kind of, you know, like, do you have friends? Does your family like you? Are you the weird uncle who lives out in, you know, the middle of like a desert in, you know, in the Mojave and you just talk to yourself all day? Like, that's, it's, it's absolutely wild to me that um, people can see there, there, there was a, a comment um, when I think it was on TikTok somewhere where um, the actors, you know, decided they were going to go on strike. And somebody commented, they're like, I don't care what's going on. UPS is about to go on strike. And I was like, this is not a, this is not a competition between unions here. Like, we're not <laughs> being pitted against each other. We can Solidarity. all win. And it's yep. all better for all of us at the end of the yep. day because w- you can inspire something else and you can move forward and set a standard and then have that move forward. It's really difficult to understand. It's I would say it's yeah, almost man. impossible to explain to somebody who's not living in the U.S. because you really have to kind of live around these people to sucks. True, which sucks, man. Like, ugh, I mean, gross. your bootstrap mentality Moving. is kind of is kind of what they used to feed us in the visual effects industry. You're getting overtimes. You're going to make a bunch of money. It's like, that's basically the same concept in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And you're like, 
This is the same poisonous bullshit you feed everybody else just to justify the long hours, the six days a week. I mean, Hector talked about how he would go to Disneyland and he'd be like terrified to post an Instagram story that he's at Disneyland because he's worried that people are going to get mad at him at work. It's like you earned your day off. You earn your sick days. You earn, you know, vacation time. You need to be, you should be able to earn all these things and do these things guilt free. Like that's, that's what we're, that's like what everybody wants is to be able to have fair pay and to be able to earn what they deserve. So for whenever people are just like, I don't get it. I'm like, I don't get you. I am not even going to try to understand you truthfully. I want to ask a question to Danny and maybe this is a stupid question. I've been kind of thinking about it since the first strike started the writer strike, but you being in both of the guilds and you kind of Mm -hmm. seeing uh, uh, where it started and when the actors joined and, and so on, and you're talking to the people there on the picket lines, are you guys, do you guys have like a gut feeling of like when you think this will resolve? Are you guys talking about we have to hang in until the end of summer, hang in until the fall, hang in until the end of the year? Or is it something where you're kind of not letting yourself think about that, um, the resolution, whenever it's all going to end? There's definitely folks that talk about it, and I try to stay away from them. <laughs> Somebody um, on Twitter was like, it's not helpful to just put put out there, you know, whatever, because I just remember, um, I remember pretty early on, we had this guy come over. Also, like, sometimes people were like, hey, be careful of people that were in the 07 strike. We're like careful of like strike breakers and like folks that are trying to like whisper in your ear. And I remember this one guy, I was hanging out with my friends. We were like having a good time. And then he was like, well, I heard it's going to be six months. And I was like, this was like maybe the second week. And I'm like, can you get away from me? Like, it's just (laughs) not. (laughs) And my friends were like, well, we could tell you did not want to talk to him because I don't know One, it could end at any moment. Like literally our, our industry is so vol. I also feel like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I have to too much power in, 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 I put too much power in certain celebrities because I think some of them are actually really close with some of these studio heads where if they just called them and were like, dude, could you just end this? I heard that that's what Bob Iger did on the the last one, that he was one of the ones yeah. that, that had stepped forward and said, we're just going to end this. And I think because SAG, you know, another, another thing that I can talk about really quickly is SAG's rules were, were stricter, right? Which I think might've caught some folks off guard. SAG was like, don't talk about this. Don't promo, don't do social media promo. Um, WGA didn't have that necessarily. They said we couldn't go to events, but they still, you could still post on social media. Now, the difference between SAG and the WGA is some of SAG's members have 200 million followers. Makes sense. So one post from (laughs) Pedro or Zendaya or Tom Holland or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to maybe a showrunner who might have a couple thousand like think like the director of the new animated Ninja Turtles movie has like 8,000 Twitter followers or something very different yeah. than like Seth Rogen, very different than like, you know, ice cube or somebody else in the movie that, you know, mm-hmm. if Zendaya says, Hey, don't forget Dune part two is coming out. That's doing free promotion for Warner brothers. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. going to have millions of eyes. And, um, so SAG knew that, and they also have 160,000 members, uh, the guild, the writers guild only has about 11,000. So they needed to really make sure they were reining people in because they just have more, more folks. Um, but what I was going to say is that I think the, the awe of celebrity is very American. We've shown that with our presidency. <laughs> We've shown that with, <laughs> you know, who, and, and I'm not just talking about the, the last, I mean, even with Reagan and Arnold Schwarzenegger and like, we have a history of idolizing celebrities and I wouldn't put it past the studios either that I don't necessarily know if they're, you know, in love and obsessed with like, oh, this writer that created this as much as they are with, oh, Tom Cruise, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so right. that's why I think they're more willing to their, um, what am I saying? Not even their money make. Yeah, they're money makers. So there, there might be more willing to. But it is fascinating hearing the writers talk about it because they're like everything started right here in my desk yep. when I sat down yep. to write this first page. Me yep. sitting down here to start to write this is what then launched hundreds of jobs of mm-hmm. getting IOTC, of getting you know 
our crew, our casting, our cast, our production assistant, like all of that stuff. And so it's not saying that any one person is more important. It's saying, I can't believe how little (laughs) I'm, I'm revered, how little I'm thought of for everything started from, you know, started as an idea from my brain. Um, that is really sad. And that's been hard being in, in the writer's guild side of it has just been really difficult to, to see that difference. Um, so that's the only thing that kind of worries me. But again, this is a, a no backing down union. I mean, we've, yep. we've yep. won in the past. We have a history of winning. We have a history of not backing down. And if there's anything about writers, they have like a sheer amount of grit and pettiness that they're like, you know, um, rightfully so, where I mean like they're just not going to um, back down. So I say that as like myself, I'm too, what is it? Spiteful. I'm too spiteful (laughs) to not, to not, you know, so I I will be successful out of spite. I know that you have, you have some comic book writing projects that are in the works. Is there anything that you can promote and kind of point our nerdy geeky audience to anything that, what is the update on that? Do you, can you say like when that work is coming out or is it? No, I I don't know when it's coming out. I do know that they were very great. So last year I wrote a Harley Quinn love story for DC comics and it was great because comics is one of the few things that, that we can do right now. And so they were, I came knocking back on their door of like, hi, um, <laughs> remember me? I, uh, can't, can't write on any TV right now. And, and, um, <laughs> I would, uh, they very graciously were like, yes, we would, we would love for you to revisit these characters. And so, cool. um, I'm excited about that and, you know, grew up, grew up in that space and, um, it was so funny cause I went to comic con and it was about comics again. Actually, I think they did a story where the comic, um, all of the artists and stuff on, on the floor did so well. Yes. Like they made bank yes, because dude. folks yep. weren't busy in other halls trying to, you know, see these celebrities and stuff. They were on the floor spending money on their comics. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to have to have you back when things get announced or when things get released, because, um, I really love that story. You did a Harley and Ivy story with, correct me if I'm wrong, artist Zoe Thorogood, who's a fantastic mm-hmm. yeah. artist, right? Who She did, uh, she did some work like, um, the impending blindness of Billy Scott and it's lonely at the center of the earth. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Her art style was so, so cool. And your story was, if I do say so myself, very, very good. A little spicy, but really, really great Harley and Ivy stuff that we'd love to see. So <laughs> I'm just, they've awesome. been so cool. Somebody was asking me yeah. today of like, how is that collaborative process? I'm like, they let me do whatever I want. I've never awesome. dealt with this before in my life. Uh, Harley is so interesting. I, as as y'all have like probably seen on her animated stuff, but like, she's a very fun character. And I'm like, can I do this? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, can I do this though? And they're like, sure. I'm like, okay, well, then I, re- then I really am having fun over here. So I <laughs> do have to thank them for being and my editors for just being really cool. And I, I, you know, I was like, if I'm doing a pride story, it's not going to be a pride wink. They're friends, yeah. they're roommates. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> so yeah, so that, <laughs> that was fun. Let people know, Daniel, so where they can find you online if they want to get any sort of updates from you about what's been happening yeah. uh, or if they just want to follow and just follow your career path. Yeah. So I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez on all the things. And um, my short film has been like making its way around. It's like one of the few, uh, again, the few things that I can promote or do. Um, and so it might be coming to a town near you. So you can follow me just to see where it's coming. And I definitely talk about the strike a lot. I hope I've done a lot of educational work to dispel a lot of the myths and I will continue to do that. And I thank y'all. Thank you so much for having me on to talk about it and for standing in solidarity. It means a lot. I've, I've been seeing your posts and you've always had my back. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. And like Hector said, we got to have you back on when your projects get going again. And maybe we'll have to have you jump on a trailer reaction with us to one of your projects. That would be kind of oh, awesome. Oh, I love that y'all are doing fun. anime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're doing anime. Uh, a lot of us, well, most of us hadn't seen a lot of the, um, the Ghibli stuff. So we're starting with uh that. 
So Wait, there was another this. question though with uh, oh, Danny. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for us to watch anime wise or yeah. show wise or anything? Because we're we're diving in. Yes. We're like going full bore. So yeah. I know you are. You know, it's so funny. I almost made this joke when y'all were like, you know, Godfather 4. I was like, yeah, that's how you get things like Dragon Ball GT. But I actually think it has the best. I think it has the best Super Saiyan, uh, Super Saiyan 4. Right? Oh, yeah. the fire oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's the mm-hmm. best. It looks yeah. so yes. cool. Um, <laughs> but awesome. Vegeta's mustache is a bit much. Um <laughs> Yeah. What is it? I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to look and I'll have to send y'all some stuff. I feel like okay. you've probably yeah. seen a lot of it, a lot of it. But to, I don't know. You'd be surprised. You do yeah, a tree of really. might, you have to have me on. If you do okay. tree of might. This is a Dragon Ball Z movie, right? This is a Dragon Ball Z movie that came out in like the 90s. Isn't that it? It was like Dragon Ball Z Tree of Might. Dude, it would be really fun to watch that with Danny. Wait, wait, wait. It would be really fun to watch that with Danny. Adam hasn't seen very much Dragon Ball Z, right, Adam? Yeah. No, But you don't, come on. You (laughs) don't. All you have to know Goku is pretty and he's kind of dumb and he has a great heart. And yeah. And you you, you can kind of. Jump into some mm-hmm. of those. They made, they made movies that were sort of outside of the TV show in a way. Like you didn't have to be watching the TV show. Just like a new bad guy shows up and Goku and the characters have to beat him up. Like that's what some of these movies and stuff were. It's, it's, it could be this really, This is really what fun. we have to do though. We have to have Hot Pockets. Okay. We have to have, <laughs> okay. It has to be the Saturday night that 90s. I would have watched it on Toonami. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. That probably yeah, actually uh-huh. early aughts. Okay. We need Pizza Pockets. Yeah. I okay. need, um, yeah, that's, so, we got to have uh, it. We just need like squeezes, some squeezes, fruit, lo- fruit roll-ups. Uh-huh. Roll ups. We need like yep. a Nintendo 64 Capri controller yes, nearby. Nintendo like 64. Just, a, just a controller on the ground. Well, Danny, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all the insight. And uh, of course, go follow her. We have all of her links for her social media down below. And uh, when you when uh, when one of your projects drops, we got to have you on for some stuff. That'd yeah. be a lot of fun. And uh, you know what? You so Honestly, much. yeah. Tree of yeah. Might. I think I might move that up higher in our little <laughs> list of stuff. I'm going to reach out to you next week. Hector, probably. I can go to your place. <laughs> Hector and I can be on the little screen together so that oh, we're yeah. not. No, no, no. We right can here. share once, this. Once Hector's not sick, we'll all just pack yeah. into this office and shoot in person. Oh, that'd be and great. That'd be awesome. Great. That would be so much oh, fun. That would be fun. I know people are getting excited in the comments because it's so great. Oh, <laughs> there, you old there you go. That's going to be a party. Thanks. going to be a party. Thank you, friends. Of course, of course. <laughs> but of Danny. course, check out all, all right, the other stuff Danny. that we're working on. Check out the links down below. Check out our Patreon. Join the Discord community. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.